Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and no, I am not dying, even though it might sound like, in fact, that I am. Uh, it's uh, it's Victory Sunday. I've got with me here, as always, my co-host and friend, Grant McGalliard. Grant, how are you this evening? And I looked and behold the pale horse, and the name that it said on it was Chandler Morris, and <laughs> hell followed with him. Oh, man. The living, brother. Dude, we're we're here. We're alive, and we're humans. That's uh, that's wonderful. Well, Grant, yesterday was a um, a stupid win. You know, TCU beats Baylor in a game they had no business winning, and the standard unspoken agreement on the Purple Theory podcast is when TCU gets a stupid win, we invite none other than the one, the only Mason Treen on to uh, to break it down with us. So we've got Mason here with us tonight. Mason, how's it going, man? Fellas, it's a great day to be a frog. Um, I'm here. I'm excited. Uh, I've got a lot of planned jokes. Uh, you know, hopefully most of them will make it uh, in out of the editing room. Uh, so, you know, whoever's editing this one tonight, I am, I'm so sorry, but uh, I'm super excited. For <laughs> I'm going to tell you before. there is zero editing room in your live yeah, for everything that you say for the next half hour or whatever it is. <laughs> and Mason, thank you so much for having planned jokes and certainly telling us what segues you would like us to give you to go into those jokes. We're so prepared 1, and ready. Oh man. Um, yeah. So, so again, so much to talk about this game this weekend. Um, can I just start with something that's absolutely hilarious to me? Sure. Shad Banks has not played all season and he had the game ceiling interception and then he did a backflip. That was just the most impressive thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Can I give you what I wanted to, my fun fact? Shad yeah. Banks is now the highest rated defensive player for TCU season for <laughs> PFF. <laughs> He's at a 92.1. Dude, that's kind of like, that's kind of like Tim Tebow being like the most clutch Broncos overtime passer because he threw one pass in overtime against the Steelers and it was like a broken tackle touchdown. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, so TC wins 30 to 28. Uh, it was generally, I, I would say for the first time in a long time, it was a fun game. Uh, I do not think that uh, TC has had a fun football game in a very long time. Um, Mason, what were your general imp- uh, impressions uh, about TCU Baylor? <clears throat> um, it's, it's like when you, when you see your first David Blaine skit for the first time, you know, you're just like, wow. That was magical. That was something that I haven't felt in my heart and I don't know, maybe ever, but no, I mean, part of me is super excited and part of me is like kind of frustrated because was this not the team we were supposed to see all year long? Was this not the, the passing like extravaganza we were supposed to see all season long? It only took us being down three running backs uh, in a backup quarterback to see it happen. But, you know, Obviously, any day is a great day to be Baylor. Um, I, I think I, you know, I had a I had a fun day on Twitter on Saturday, um, and I said that it's a it's 2021, and it is a uh, it is a great day to be a frog, and uh, it still sucks to be you. But yeah, um, you know, overall, it, it's it's so hard to get like a read on this because um, Parker, you know, I, I have a couple questions that I want to ask later on in the pod um, in this you know this four hour odyssey that we might go on, but. Um, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. And this offense was a lot of fun. Did we stall on the red zone a couple of times? A hundred percent. Did we kick field goals when we should have gone for touchdowns? A hundred percent. Did we hit it? Well, we, I say we, like, as if I played with the team, did TCU, did, um, did Griffin Kell hit uh, the upright on the potential, <laughs> on the potential like game ceiling field goal? He did, but you know what? 
the frogs found a way to win um gary bohannon threw the backbreaking pick and uh the frogs won and there was so much happening um that you know i after the first two series i think we were all i mean grant even was like i'm going for a walk <laughs> so you know it, it, this game was like a cacophony of strangeness and stranger things. Um, but the frogs came out with a win. I think we got penalized like what was it 21 times? Something I don't know what the, like official, yeah. the official count, but um gosh, it was it was silly. Um, but hey, the frogs won, we beat Baylor, and so is that the most professional analysis I can give? Probably not, but um in a in a strange season where we I guess use all of our energy in one game you know i'm glad it was this game if, if tc was going to conjure up some voodoo i definitely wanted it to be this game for sure yeah yeah, yeah. also i should say uh the purple theory podcast is a chris angel mind freak podcast <laughs> so you can take your david blaine not so no i you said something mason that i i kind of agree with and wanted to expound a bit on and i know i know you have some questions for parker and i kind of do too but i i am perfectly happy treating this game as its own entity. I, I, I don't want to learn any lessons from it. I have no idea what's going to happen next. I assume Chandler Morris will probably start against Oklahoma State if I were a betting man. But I am perfectly willing as of now to completely disregard the future and bask solely in the incredibly, undescribably, deeply weird game in which TCU <laughs> beat Baylor and carved up a Dave Aranda defense for reasons that are unclear to man. Yeah. I mean, I think this, this time, well, it was, it was back in, uh, I think like early October of this time that I was on last year, but I said that Max Duggan uh, was like in a do rag arm lifting weights with a cigarette behind his ear in the open garage and said, do something about it. Um, but honestly now, like, Chandler Morris is like in the middle of the street shirtless with like an 18 pack and just is shotgunning um, like PBR tall boys and like asking like literally anybody to say something to him about it because he is 5'10", generously 5'10", generously 170 pounds and is asking anybody to stop him. Uh, and Dave Aranda said, sir, I, I can't do that. I genuinely cannot stop you today. And he served up a platter of, of, 450 total yards. So I'm going to throw, um, um, I'm going to throw a word out there about Chandler Morris that I don't use often. Yeah. He's, he was a gunslinger yesterday. Oh uh, God, he was in every sense of the word. Um, absolutely amazing. Um, I loved that. They, they game plan for him. Um, one, one, like obviously having a quarterback who can do everything like who is healthy and can kind of run, can, can pass, can kind of play the game he wants to play um, is excellent. Uh, but I think they did a lot of good stuff to kind of uh, identify where Baylor's pressure was coming from, attack Baylor's corners in man coverage. And then they did run a nice little suite of, you know, the glance RPO made a couple of um, appearances. They passed out of the diamond formation, which is wild that they did that multiple yeah. times. Um, and so I think, I think generally they had a really good feel on what Chandler Morris could do well. And they asked him to do that, which for a TCU offense, that feels like a foreign concept. I don't feel like that's ever happened. Yeah. And I'll say that, you know, we could point to a lot of coaching reasons as to why that might be. I, and a lot of that 
say half of it is speculation, right? Was was Meacham being chained back by Gary's demands as to what the offense could be? Maybe, yeah, possibly. Um, I'll be honest with you. I think a lot of this game came down to the fact that TCU's offensive line finally showed up. I don't know how it happened against Baylor, um, but Chandler Morris was only rushed four times. Uh, he was only hurt. He was never hit. He was hurried four times. Uh, I, I I question that because there was that one play at the end where you kind of scrambled out and then, you know, whatever. And, and, and he had the, 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 the toss up uh, that led to a first down. So maybe PFF, PFS grades aren't exactly right. But, dude, the line let him cook. And that's the first time we've seen that in a really long while. That was like a perfect conglomeration. Um, one thing, this is kind of wonky, Grant. Sorry to do this, but I do think that um, <clears throat> they gave, like PFF has given Chandler credit for nine rushing attempts and four of those were scrambles. I think that a couple scrambles that were pressures, they called designed runs because Morris was I just agree. able to move away. Um, and, and so, um, but yeah, I mean, his his rushing ability was was great there. Um, and, and again, they, they, so one thing that I'll point out that makes me sound a little goofy, but like Quentin Johnson made some catches that he just hadn't necessarily made consistently the last two weeks, definitely had made some like grown up plays against Oklahoma. But you look at that, like one handed grab and contrast that, uh, to the West Virginia game where he just dropped that long touchdown that likely changes the game. Clearly he was, um, on uh, and so like just the perfect confluence of everything going right on TCU's offense and the fact that Baylor's defense was shockingly thin and really could not get a pass rush, um, even as they were trying to get a pass rush. Yeah, Parker, can I can I just interrupt real quick? I'm sorry. Uh, I just want to say, like, it was an incredible Twitter day for you as well. Um, just I mean, we, I think you're a little underselling the, the Quentin Johnson catch. That was I think you tweeted out that is the greatest catch in TCU history. <laughs> I, I, I disagree. That was a better throw than it was a catch. And it was better throw than it was a catch. It's funny because I always think that, like, again, just like in terms of physical demands, I think that the Tavalence Hunt catch against Baylor, I think, what, 2019, when he, like, is 360 spun in the air, got his hand down, is like maybe the most, like, impressive catch I've ever seen in my entire life. Is it the most meaningful? No. If. Uh, if I was a fan of an opposing team and not TCU, I would not want a forearm in the end zone to count as a touchdown catch. Right. That's my hot take for the evening. Right. Well, and I got to say, like, I just, I, Parker, I tweeted about it like twice. <laughs> I really just want to shout out just maybe the most, your my favorite tweet that you had of the day, which was every single yard that the TCU offense gains is an absolute embarrassment on the Baylor defense. And then TCU goes on to run for what, like you have like what, 550 total yards on the and day. That, and that's 550 total embarrassments for Baylor there. Like absolutely. There, there's no reason given this spot, given who was on defense for TCU, given who is on offense for TCU, that Baylor should not have won this game by like 40 points, which makes it all the better. And, and the thing about it is, is that it's not that the players weren't executing. I mean, sure, you could have, you probably wanted to see more out of Bohannon. You wanted to see, you know, a little bit more out of the Baylor defense, but the Baylor coaching staff, it's like they didn't know how to handle what TCU was throwing at it, both on offense and on defense. 
And that was the weirdest thing. I mean, yeah, we opened up the playbook a little bit more and trusted Morris to make throws over the middle of the fields and, and get receivers in space. But, dude, the Baylor offensive staff didn't call a good game at all. I remember there was one specific Bo Hannon, um, like, QB sweep on, like, a second and nine in the second half that went for a yard. I'm like, what the hell is happening? They they called a very bad game. I mean, well, they were out because Because yeah. Jeff Grimes is not a good play caller. Jeff Grimes is a lot of things. And I respect what he's done with Bohannon and kind of like nurturing him. But in terms of when the rubber meets the road, being a play sequencer, one, Baylor really hasn't had to play um, from behind at all this season. And and two, Grimes, even even whatever credit you want to give Grimes for the BYU offense in 2020, never had to sequence plays uh, to kind of come from behind, never had to change game plans dramatically in the middle of the game. And so I think we saw some of that um, just absolutely displayed. Um, okay, as we're, oh, you respond to that, please. <clears throat> no, I was going to ask Mason. Mason, were you more impressed? I mean, the offense was more shocking. I'm, I'm, that's, that's not up for debate. But were you more impressed by the effort the TCU defense played or, or, or by the TCU offense? Uh, can I cop out and say both? Um, because sure. I, I will say the, uh, the effort and the pressure, and this is going to come up with my couple questions that I have later on. Um, that defensive line just played like out of its mind. Um, and I know we brought Nook Bradford up for blitzes. We brought a lot of pressure up front and, you know, the, the secondary didn't have the best day in the world, but um, I thought that this was like legitimately the best, game that like against the power five opponent that the defensive line had played and at the same time it was the best game that the offensive line had played against the power five opponent um and i mean i mean can i just ask my questions now can i just cut into it right now or do you want me to oh yeah that? no let's go dude we're so unfair okay. go wherever okay. that's great parker how okay i, I don't want to see me and like we all love gary here like we're all like gary loyalists like i think obviously but <laughs> Um, I'm an agnostic, Gary Patterson. Why, why did it take us until our head coach was fired for us to throw the ball like 35 times in a game successfully? Um, and why did it take it? Like, wh- how much of this game, like, I really want to ask, how much of this game was energy from Gary not being there versus execution because Gary was not there? Does that make sense? It does. And like, I, and I, I, I don't want to sound like a hater, but no, it, it does. And I know yeah. you asked Parker, but but I I'm gonna jump in because I am an egotist. Um, sure. I, I think if you, it's definitely not like hey, it, there's not like a positive energy because Gary's not there. If you look in the locker room and you listen to the sort of language that the coaches use and the players use, mm. it's not that they they all hated Gary. I don't think that's what it was. It's no, it, which makes sense. But I think Meacham and Kill we're able to just say, Hey, okay. We don't have a, a defensive minding coach telling us to mind the tempo so the defense can get rests now. And we're allowed to do whatever we want because we have no overseer. It's sort of like when your parents aren't home and you're just able to do whatever the heck you want in the house. I mean, it is Cheetos for breakfast. It is whatever you want. And so you're able to, you know, they were just kind of able to vibe and, and, and really kind of try things with no expectation and no real, predictions that they would win this game with the backup quarterback and you know a bunch of running backs out and it worked somehow yeah I mean we were running we were literally running the home alone offense like that's what I thought is like because all the parents were gone 
We're doing whatever yeah. we want. We're running the, we're taking the cookie sheet down the, down the staircase. It does not matter, but you know, Parker, my other question. Wait, can I answer that I'm one? I'm sure everybody's taking it. <clears throat> can, can I, I, can I answer that one first? Yeah, go for it. Absolutely. Um, for Cause it. I think I have two, two um, thoughts there. And so my first thought is that um, it is the case that one of the problems with the late stage Gary Patterson era, especially post Bumpus is that there was no one to tell Gary no that he would listen to. Um, and so generally TCU just did whatever he wanted on his impulse and nobody really challenged that. With Glasgow calling the plays and kill there, I do believe that there was a lot more opportunity for collaboration and for um, just some kind of back and forth and, and give and take that there hasn't been in, in game on the sidelines. Um, I definitely think that there's some element of Obviously, with what they were doing, play action, throwing over the middle of the field, um, <clears throat> not, I mean, only running like 12 times or whatever it was, there was definitely a lot more um, flexibility in the offense. I, I really have heard a lot that that Kill was actually pretty hands-on with the offense before this game, like up into up, up, up until you know he took over as head coach. And I wonder if it's not the case that. With Gary out of Gary not running practice every day and Kill being involved with running practice every day, two things happened. One, Meacham had more flexibility to design the game he wanted to design. And two, uh, the offense got to practice. We've talked long on the before on this on this podcast how, how TC's practices have been very defensive heavy because Gary is blitzing on day one of install because he really cares about the defense. And I do believe that the offense probably had their best week of practice just because it was probably their first week of practice where they weren't getting just relentlessly decimated while they were working on concepts. So maybe that's four things there of give and take between the coaching staff. Um, Kill was a little more involved in the bigger picture things. And that gave Meacham the freedom to kind of do more of what he wanted and what he thought he could be good at. Um, and then there is kind of the, you know, I guess there's only one thing left to do when the whole effing thing, that kind of vibe, the home alone right. offense that was there as well. Right. And I also yeah. want to give a shout out to Meacham because you saw him on the sideline, like hyping up Chandler, like all, like the dude looked happier than I've seen him in years. Uh, mm -hmm. and, he, and he called a good game. So yeah, kudos. Yeah. And then my second question, I have three. So my second question is what would TCU's record be if Glasgow was calling plays on defense the entire season? Because, like, I don't know, guys, like, you know, we all love Gary and we've talked about it before, especially Parker, like he was, he seemed spread pretty thin. Um, but again, how much of it was Gary not being there and like, this one's for Gary versus like a new voice in the locker room? You know, I don't know. To me, I feel like we have, I feel like we win the Texas game if, if Glasgow's the DC. I don't know, that might be, that might be like foolish of me to say, but the defense just seemed... I don't know, more just different, you know, I, you know, I love the sentiment behind that. I absolutely do. I yeah. think that's pretty misguided. Sure. Um, because for the first time all season, um, TCU had uh, a front four play the majority of the game. So they went, I mean, Coleman was in at the late at the end, but they went Mathis Cooper, Bethley Horton and said, these are the four guys. We're not running Sonny Misi out here. He didn't play at all. Um, Patrick Jenkins only had 18 snaps. Um, Earl Barquette had only 10. Uh, Coleman had 21. And so, and so, so generally, I think, I think this is a lot of personnel 
that helped with the defense as well. And whether that was Gary's choice to run guys out or whether that was um, Chad Glasgow with nothing to do was tinkering with the defensive line all season. But the reason that they lost the Texas game, the SMU game, among others, is that when it kind of came down to it, they couldn't get one more stop. The defensive line was getting bullied in both of those games. That was not a coaching failure. Uh, That's an off-season coaching failure because they don't have the guys to come in and do that, but they were getting bullied. And so I honestly don't think that retroactively there was any one game where it was like, if this was the case, maybe that would have gone differently um, because there were issues in, in, you know, all around in both of those games, maybe in the, Oh, Hey Tim, stop. Welcome Tim to the uh, purple theory podcast. Um, maybe if Glasgow was the uh, defensive coordinator all off season, and, and Gary was the kind of CEO guy, maybe that changes, but in terms of end game, I don't know that that changes any results. Okay. Okay. And then, you know, because you know, I hate to ask it. I hate, I hate to be this guy, but I know a lot of people are thinking it and I'm just going to get ahead of it. I'm going to throw my corpse in front of it. Parker Grant, do we, and again, so I was, I, I was spared from last week. I didn't get to watch last week. But do we have a quarterback competition on our hands? And so no, let me answer first. One let me quarterback first. is hurt. So let me answer first. <laughs> let me answer first. Um, I know everybody's thinking like, oh, okay. Like they even said it on the game, like during the game, like Max is like basically looking at the transfer portal right now. And I was just like, that is silly. Um, I would like to see the rest of the season because, you know, Chandler did not look good against Kansas State, as did 99% of the team other than Jordy Sandy. Um, so if... If we win out, if we go into uh, Stillwater and beat Oklahoma State, if we go and annihilate Kansas, uh, Kansas, and if we go on the road to Ames and we destroy Iowa State, then I will then consider, you know, an open competition for the fall, for next fall between Chandler and Max. But again, to me, I'm still, I'm still pretty much, you know, Max is QB1 when he's healthy. Uh, the offensive line played their best game, so it's a little unfair. Also, um, the thing that Chandler and Max do not have in common is that Max has been shellacked by three years of this offensive line, and Chandler has not. So, again, I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, Chandler, QB1. Well, there's a lot of things I still need to see. And while he played, like, maybe the best backup quarterback game since Bram Kohlhausen in the Alamo Bowl game, um, I think there's still a lot to see, but I know a lot of people are already talking about it. So I just wanted you guys, wanted your guys thoughts on this. Yes. But the Highland park morons have been talking about it since before Chandler Morris even got here. Um, it, it's not that he played bad. He played great. And they, they again, had a great pulse on what he wanted to do mm-hmm. um, or what he was able to do and what they wanted him to do. But you're right. It was all kind of all these other factors, but again, um, Mac, Max is hurt. So this isn't a quarterback controversy because if Chandler Morris goes down, we're probably going to see Matthew Downing. Um, which would be awful. So I don't think there's a quarterback controversy here at all. I will say that I'm, I'm pretty okay saying that like, I don't think Chandler Morris necessarily did anything yesterday that a healthy Max Duggan couldn't do. Now, again, there's situational, you know, Morris executed and there's moments like that, but it's not like, I mean, there was a couple throws that he missed that were like, okay, yeah, like you are not perfect. Like everyone wants to make out like the backup quarterback is, you know, this immaculate, amazing player. He's still raw and, and young. Um, but he's not bad by any, any means. The, the, the issue there, Mason, is, is not that who is playing quarterback has not been the issue for TCU. They, they ran a different offense yesterday, and the offensive line had a way better game. 
And those two things coming together are, are what matters there. So if it's a quarterback battle between Max getting murdered in the first couple of games and TCU running uh, a triple handoff on first and 10 after they've moved the ball and fumbling it. Um, yeah. Then I'm going to pick Chandler and, and, and say, yes, there's a quarterback controversy there, but that, that's really not the difference. The difference is they were able to run a different offense and, 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 and that matters a lot. I'm going to land somewhere in, in the middle ground there. I, I might've been more filled during that game. Um, I was extremely impressed and I, I don't think Parker, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think you're giving Chandler Morris enough credit. Oh no! I don't want to understand. I don't want to sound like I'm not under. I'm underselling him. He played amazingly yesterday, and it was one of the most fun TCU games. Yes, and okay. he was just absolutely sure. at the center. Uh, of it. I, yeah, yes. that's not to yeah, undersell did, him. Just, but the offense has scored thirty points five times a season. Like the offense hasn't been bad this whole season. It's not like yesterday there was an amazing offensive performance that we haven't seen all season. That that's just it's easy to think that way. But yes, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I completely agree. I just what I was going to say was that I. I I think there's a difference between is there a quarterback competition and what are the coaches going to do? Because if Duggan is that hurt, I think Morris might kind of finish out the season. Honestly, I don't know the status of Duggan and how well he's going to improve or or what his health is. Um, I also think that we haven't seen Duggan in the offense that TCU ran ever. We haven't seen them run those plays. We haven't seen them keep that tempo up and just, just ask him to make those short over the middle throws that get receivers in space um, and we haven't seen the line block that well. Um, we don't know is the answer as to, you know, how Duggan would perform versus Chandler Morris. I think Max Duggan is a more experienced and probably slightly better quarterback. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. If you said, hey, we get 90% of that Chandler Morris game out of Chandler Morris for, for the next three games of TCU season, I say start Chandler and then we'll figure out if Max is healthy going into next year. Um, but if you promise me 90%, I'll take it. For sure. And I think that is, there's two reasons why they should probably end up starting him the rest of the season. One, clearly Max was trying to like grind something out and that's just not good for him or, or the team. Um, and two, if, if Chandler Morris is the creative spark that Doug Meacham needs to run a competent offense, have at it. I mean, I, it's, um, it is my hope that TCU's offensive staff is entirely different next year. And I imagine they're going to take a transfer quarterback if it's not Max Duggan next year. Um, so the last three games or whatever don't matter. If you think you can conjure up some weirdness with a guy that there's no tape on and who has the, you know, has the confidence right now and is healthy. Why? I mean, try and make a bowl. That's great. Do that. Um, but I, I don't think these are like eternally significant. Um, no, I overall, agree. That's yeah. why. Yeah, yeah. I like I don't think we learned anything from this game. As the, except that game except set. that it must be awful to go to Baylor and get excited and have hopes and dreams. And then <laughs> every year have those thwarted by some weirdos and some purple uniforms. Um Mason, let's okay, we're rambling, we're going to the place. I'm muting in between questions and coughing my lungs out because uh evidently football killed me this weekend. Um, Mason. Give us your uh, closing, your closing monologue, your final word on TCU Baylor. I know you have one written down. Okay. Get the notepad out. Let's hear it. Um, you know, the first thing I want to say is, hey, Bears, Baylor, you're having a great season. Um, I know watching Charlie Brewer be your quarterback for three and a half seasons was tough. Um, you know, I know it was not fun watching that offense, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, you got to always remember who your daddy is and your daddy lives in Fort Worth and he is going to spank you and he's going to send you home and let you know that you've been wrong. 
And so, um, honestly, I love my frogs and, you know, there, there is always that one weird game every year where TCU just pulls it out and it's like, Hey, we're going to win this game. There's nothing you can do about it. We're going to get really weird in funky town. Um, but in all seriousness, this game, and I, I hate, I hate to say, it cause I know the whole staff's going to be different next year. This reminded me a lot of two games. It reminded me a lot of 2016 TCU Baylor, where TCU showed a lot of the potential that they would go on to fill the next season in 2017, where they won 10 games, reached the conference championship game. And it also reminded me of the 2019 uh, TCU Texas game, where they kind of showed a lot of stuff. Um, okay, I like what we saw. Very fun on offense. Defense makes enough plays to win the game. But, you know, pandemic happens things go weary um and you know we all kind of know what happened over the next two years and sorry i know i'm gonna i'm gonna monologue just a little bit longer um because our i've I've thought about this for a long time and the way that things were supposed to go was uh so we had the 2014 2015 season awesome time we're riding that high all that talent um kenny hill comes in we go six and six because we lost a lot we had took a year to recover. We go, we went 10 wins. Um, we just conference championship game. Oklahoma had a great team that year. Nothing wrong with losing to them. What was supposed to happen the following year is Sean was supposed to be, Sean Robinson was supposed to be a fun, uh, high volume offense. We turned the ball over a lot, but we're going to win eight games. It's going to be fun, whatever. We developed for two years, kind of we're in that range, whatever. And then we get back to 10 wins. Justin Rogers suffers the worst injury you can have outside of like death for quarterback. So that sets us back. And worst case scenario was we had this little quarterback from council bluffs come in, uh, start as a true freshman because we don't have any quarterbacks, um, in our, on our depth chart. We have Alex Delton who can't complete the forward pass. Sorry. I forgot about that. But, you know, I have always thought that the plan was supposed to be ride those quarterbacks until Gary retires, Sonny Cumbie, coaching wings. I think we all thought that circa 2017, 2018. Um, but here we are now and Gary is gone. We're going to get somebody new. That whole staff is almost certainly going to be gone. And part of me has just been kind of wondering like, what if, and so it, it feels to me like this is the twilight zone. And so I know I'm rambling, but, um, this is like, if you, if you replay TCU's seasons, I don't know, like 10 times since 2017, how many of them end up with four consecutive down years, guys? Like, you know, th yeah. th this is awesome. Like beating Baylor is great. Um, and, you know, Gary is like my homie. Like if there was, if there was one man that I'll get a tattoo of his face on my chest one day, it would be him, but him and probably Dave Grohl. But, um, you know, I just, I've, I'm just kind of sitting here thinking like, man, we should have been the ones in Baylor's situation. We should have been the 12th ranked team at this point in the season. We should have been the ones that are like, we're riding high, potentially on the edge of upset, but you know, um, sorry, I know I'm, I'm out here waxing. No, poetic, listen, but... uh, you're fine. You're right. 2021 was the year until it wasn't. And yet right. you somehow still beat Baylor at the end of it. Which right. is fun part. So, you know, just hilarious it, because I love living in topsy turvy world. It would be nice for TCU to just do what they're supposed to do. 
Um, but it's nice to ruin Baylor's plans if, if they can't do what they're supposed yeah, to do. Nothing else. It, it, it's not enough that I must succeed. My enemies must also fail. Exactly. Exactly. Um, awesome. Well, again, I'm coughing out my lungs. So um, <laughs> I'm, let's, let's call this. Uh, Mason, thank you so much for hopping on. People can find you on Twitter at Mason underscore B underscore tree. No underscores. It is at Mason underscore B Shereen. And before you kick me off, I just have one more thing to say. And that was, uh, so Parker and I, we had never met until like in person until about two weeks ago before the West Virginia game. And, uh, you know, I don't know if either of you have ever seen the movie Vision Quest. And this might be a reference for like all of two people out there like that are listening to this. But um, in the most Vision Quest moment I've had in my entire life, I shared with Parker. Hey, Parker, by the way, you know, I've started lifting weights, started to gain weight. He goes, oh, nice, man. And he does like in the most Mr. Miyagi way, like again nothing was wrong with this. He grabs my shoulder, grabs my bicep and he just like slaps my kneecap. He's like, nice man. And I was like, nice man. I'm, I'm feeling good. Um, part of the weightlifting crew now. So, um, because y'all might not know if you've ever seen Parker, Parker is built like a British man of war. Uh, so like heavy on the top, but like, you know, still heavy on the bottom in a good way. So, um, I just wanted to shout I, that out. I, I am indeed. Thank you for doxing me. I do power lift as a hobby, oh. but I was just glad to see you. You were making some gains. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have, so again, this off season. We'll have to do a deep dive on, uh, on lifting routines <laughs> for sure. So, Hey, I appreciate you guys. Let me come on. Let me, uh, chop it up a little bit. Uh, obviously, Hey Grant. And before I go to, I just wanted to let you know that, uh, churches, the band is not good because they're great. They're great. Okay. You had me worried. <laughs> I'm seeing them Tuesday. I cannot wait. <laughs> So anyways, thank you guys for letting me on. Uh, you guys do you, and I will talk to y'all next uh, stupid win. You will. Hope that's sooner rather than later. Take care, man. Yeah, later, Mason. Grant, that was uh, the hurricane I wanted it to be in every way, shape, or form. I'm glad to have Mason on here and, and chat about the game. And um, I, I love a little bit of, you know, we just need to wander into the esoteric nonsense after a win like this. Like, what else can you do but say, like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, we're here and everything should have been different and it's not, it's great. It's uh, it's, it's, I've, I've literally lost the ability to speak for several minutes after that game ended. I was just kind of confused. I, I made like a nice steak dinner and I planned, I planned it to be done like with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Cause I figured TC would be down. And then I was like eating steak. Like, are we winning? Like what is happening? I looked up and Chad Banks with the ball in his hand. I, a, a roller coaster of emotions. You were, did you start on the field? You were there. I certainly did not storm the field. I'm 30 years old and we sit very high in the stadium. So, um, but I thought it was fun. And I thought it was worthwhile. You know, of course the reply guys on Twitter are like, well, why don't we storm the field for beating Baylor? And it's like, dude, do you not understand what happened this week? Um, oh God. I, yes, yeah. Stormed the, are you kidding me? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, big, big fan of that. Also college football is fun. College kids are stupid. Let them do what they want. Um, I was just giggling. That's all I was doing after the game. I was just, just laughing uh hilariously because i just couldn't believe um all of that i do think that I, I was really pleased with some of the offensive flexibility again it's hard to read too much into kind of x's and o's here and other than grit um i do think a lot of this defensive core will will be here next year and so it's good to see some of those guys get in the rotation and play well and things like you know I'm, i i grant i was tempted to try and do something like i did for west virginia and go drive by drive but it's just not uh, feasible or, or worth it this weekend. But, um, you know, I look at it, things like Nook Bradford got absolutely run over by, uh, Abram Smith earlier in the game. He did. And then he came back and had a couple great, he saved a touchdown with a tackle that may have been the game, uh, just an absolute shoelace tackle that may have been the determining factor in the game. Um, and so to see him rebound, it showed a lot of maturity. I was really impressive with that.
Yeah, and using Nook um, as a pass rusher, I thought, like, so we saw that just looking at his stats again, this is per PFF, but he's only been used in pass rush once before, and that was against Cal. I don't remember the play. If you do, hats off to you. Um, but, but he was heavily involved as sort of that, you know, that kind of extra rusher coming in and um, made an impact. I mean, he got a sack. Um, so if, if, if the absence of Gary's presence, for better or worse, just allows the current coaching staff to experiment for the next three games before presumably a new coach comes in and, and 80% of them are gone. Um, and I don't mean that in a mean way, just stating facts. Um, but fine with it. I'm down to get weird. We're not winning a national title this year. We're not going to win a big 12 title this year. Let's, let's, do you watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Um, I've seen episodes. I haven't seen all of it. Yeah, so it's the, the Frank quote. I don't know how many years I've got left on this earth. I'm going to get real weird with it. And that's, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. And a little bit, Grant, like, remember what I said about the 2019 Kansas state game? It was like, this needs to be the Max Duggan passing laboratory. Like this needs to be the, the mad scientists, like whatever, maybe now more than ever, like the last three games here need to be like, look, smoke them if you got them. It's uh, we're just doing movie references at this point, but it's good. We're hunting in the bar. It's, you know, well, you'll be serving my keys, uh, my kids fries. Uh, we're on a ski trip. And it's like, yeah, but at least it won't be unoriginal. <laughs> exactly. You know, like let's, let's be original. You know, we might lose Oklahoma State by 40, but let's be original. Yeah. Let's do yeah. something. Um, well, that's, that's fun. And again, this is a lot of fun and uh, yeah, it's just great to, just great to be alive. Um, I, I, I know if you're listening to this, I'm sure you expected like, at least some half-hearted, like real deep analysis at it. Both Parker and I have talked a little bit, you know, off and on throughout the day and yesterday. I, I am, I don't know how this happened. None of it makes sense, but I'm very glad that it happened. And I'm not going to go on Twitter and be like, actually, TCU was playing, you know, middle of the field, close, cover zero, double robber, sniper, sniper. Right, and that's right. the reason that they won this game. Like, I obviously, that's not, uh, that's just dumb. So, um, yeah. Enjoy it. Go rewatch it. It's very fun. Grant, we're going to, we're going to move on and we're going to talk about Oklahoma state this weekend. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll do that on Wednesday and, and kind of break that down and see, again, I think the entire attitude here is we're playing with house money. So we'll talk a little bit about that and, and hopefully have some fun kind of down the stretch. Yeah. It's a, uh, listen, I, I, this, this rejuvenated my, uh, my TCU football interest for this year. I, I was almost all the way checked out heading into this Baylor game and by God, they've hooked me. Was it the, I think Grant, it was the Kansas state preview after we got off the microphone, we were like, dude, do we even want to finish this season podcasting? Like, is this worth it? <laughs> and I'm glad that we got a reason to be like, yes, we should. This is great. This is, this is the we spark should. we needed. We, so we beat Baylor and that little Chandler Morris. I, again, I cannot say enough good things about Chandler Morris. On oh, Saturday dude, it was Baylor. so awesome. It was so fun. I uh, just, just again, like it's crazy because like, Max Duggan is also a gamer. It's not like TCU hasn't had the sure. fire or whatever, but it's like everything just worked. And he was so excited. The end of the game, he threw the ball up. Everybody was, yes. you know, just, oh, so fun. Just a great Dude. college football moment, man. Do yourself a favor, divorce it from all contacts. Yeah, no. Celebrate that. I think that's what this podcast was, was just like, yes. this game is in a vacuum. It's in a silo by itself. Love it for what it is. And, and yes. yeah, that's great. Well, I'll save your voice, Parker. Uh, this has been the Purple Theory Podcast. You can find him on Twitter. He is Parker Fleming. He's at Stats of War, approaching the 9,000 follower mark for those keeping count. My name is Grant McGalliard. I am at Grant McGalliard on Twitter, spelled like it sounds. 
Uh, thanks as always for liking, sticking with us uh, through the dark weeks and now in the, in the fun week. Uh, thanks for Mason, as always, for hopping on. Uh, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff. Listen to the Bet US podcast and watch it on YouTube. That's what, Wednesday and Thursday, Parker? When does that come out? Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon at uh, 4 p.m. Central and Thursday at 11 p.m. or 11 a.m. Central. Thank you very much. And uh, other than that, let's, uh, let's keep the faith and see how weird we can get. Parker, go Frogs. Go Frogs. <laughs>